This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. If you're not already part of my Facebook group, then I want to very unsubtly persuade you to join. Every Monday, at some point on Monday, because I'm notorious for doing it late at night, but hey, what? It's Monday somewhere. Uh, I post a thread asking members for their weekly goals. The following Monday, we review and post our new goals. Everyone joins in and it's super supportive. We literally get hundreds and hundreds of comments each week. There's also loads of banter, which we all know I love a bit of banter. And members also ask all kinds of questions in the forum on topics from craft, marketing and publishing. And I also do the occasional Facebook Live Q&A session. I love the accountability of having to post and then confess whether or not I've reached my goals. I'm currently trying to finish the third book in my YA fantasy series called Trey by the end of October so that I can actually join in Nano for once. Um, And the project I'm going to do in Nano is The Anatomy of Prose, my next nonfiction book, which I am desperate to get out for the new year. So, If you'd like to join my Facebook group, you can by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash 13, which is the number. So one, three, S-T-E. Thank you to new patron this week, Amy Sund. Uh, don't forget, you can get early access to all the episodes on Patreon, as well as as well as exclusive content on writing, marketing, and publishing. You can do that by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black, and that is Sasha with a C, S A C H A, and then Black. So on to listener rebel of the week. This week it's Christine. Christine says, my father always thought education was wasted on women. (gasps) All women do is get married and have babies, right? No, no. Okay, I will stop narrating. Uh, Christine went to university, earned her honours degree in engineering, worked as a design and development engineer in the defence industry and did lots of other work over the years. Eventually, she walked away because she didn't like holding down a proper job. That's a good fuck you to the uh, to the man. Uh, she stepped off the treadmill and moved to Spain, and now she earns her living as a writer, living in her renovation project of a villa surrounded by her rescued dogs and cats. Aww. If you would like to find out more about Christine, you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash perfume petals and thorns. If you would like to be a listener rebel of the week, then you can tweet me at rebelauthorpod or email in at rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. And on with the interview. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I'm Sasha Black and I am here today with Bonnie Wagner Stafford. Bonnie is an author, author coach, writer, ghostwriter editor and co-founder of Ingenium Books. She's a communications manager for the Alliance of Independent Authors, an award-winning former journalist and has led public sector teams in media relations, uh, issues management and strategic communications and planning. Cool, that's a mouthful. Uh, Bonnie has been at the controls of a helicopter, loves backcountry canoeing, 
once jumped from an aeroplane, sang on stage with Andrea... And, oh, how do you say Andrea Botticelli? Bot- Bocelli? How do you say that, Bonnie? Andrea Bocelli. There you Andrea go. Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> uh, in a backup chorus. And grew up skiing in Canada's Rocky Mountains. She lives in. Uh, she's lived in more than 15 different cities in Canada, France and Mexico. And is found most often on her 40... 40-foot sailboat Ingenium in Mexico's Sea of Cortez. Is that, that is 40-foot, isn't it? That is 40 feet, yes. Yeah, okay. I, I know nothing about boats, so I was like, is that 40 inches? <laughs> 40 feet? Yeah, <laughs> 40, 40 feet. Uh, welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much for giving us uh, some of your time this evening or, or your afternoon, as I know that you are in Mexico. Just for everybody listening, there is a bit of a time delay uh, on in the in the Wi-Fi. So if there are any pauses, that is why. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Sasha. Happy to be here and happy you're launching your new Rebel podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so tell me a bit about your journey into writing and why you write nonfiction particularly. Well, that's a great question. I've always been... Um, a writer, you know, like many authors and, and wannabe authors, I've always been interested in writing, you know, starting with my grade, not even starting with, but, you know, back when I had a grade five writing assignment that um, we were to, to create a story and uh, characters, and I was right into the Nancy Drew series back then, and so um, I created this whole different Nancy Drew book. I made up the whole story, the whole mystery, the whole search, but I used the Nancy Drew characters. And so when I got to school to present this wonderful, what I thought was a one, I was so proud of it. I had so much fun. Um, Of course, I got a failing grade because (laughs) I was off being so excited about thinking about Nancy Drew I didn't hear the second half of the assignment which was everything has to be totally original so that kind of burst my bubble but anyway uh, I went on to be a journalist a reporter and uh, working in television and radio mainly and dabbling in print and you know storytelling has just always been part of my bones and then the next phase of my career I was in government communications that's that mouthful of media relations issues management and strategic communications but so I was always while I was there I was responsible for the editorial production and release of you know 300 page budget documents and white papers on you know tourism industry restructuring and all those kinds of things but so everything I've always done (laughs) <laughs> and maybe tracking back to that fateful grade five assignment <laughs> where I failed on fiction um, that I just feel I, I, I love nonfiction. I love true stories. Uh, I think they make the world go around. Um, and it's just where I'm most comfortable. And I do have some fiction um, historical fiction based on a true story of course there always has to be that <laughs> element of truth but I do have some, some fiction in the works that that I find very, very difficult but uh, so that, that that's kind of how it all comes together. So you started out your writing career writing fan fiction I love that I uh, I had no idea I had no idea I think that's brilliant um, uh, and also so did you how did you feel about the corporate comms I, I say this only kind of with a wry smile because I um 
you know, I, as you know, I left uh, corporate, what I like to call my corporate hellmare instead of a nightmare, um, you know, uh, because I just, you know, I, I wasn't suited to the uh, corporate lifestyle. So, but how long did you did you kind of spend in the corporate world? 11 years. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I uh, and it was government, not, you know, similar to corporate, but but government. So public sector, very much about the public good, obviously, with the political bent, because what was in the public good varied depending on which political party was in power. Mm. But um, my transition from being a reporter, where I reported on government, to <laughs> then being inside um, representing the government was was interesting. I I realized once I was inside government that all my preconceived notions mm. about what government was all about uh, were not true. Um, you know, uh, I won't get into all of those things, but you know, government is a big fat cushy. Everybody's lazy. I mean, I, the people that I worked with in in the Ontario government in Canada um, were some of the smartest hardest working people that I have ever met. And uh, I was very fortunate to be um, working on things that I just found fascinating, you know, securities regulation reform, um, you know, uh, um, municipal tax structures, tax administration, wow. tobacco tax and related issues like yeah I know I know it's horrible but you know and then industry reforms and you know the debates that we would have around the board tables de deciding what to do uh, to address a particular social public or economic issue were just fascinating I mean it was really some of my most fun work and I, I you know I loved my journalistic work but uh, but but the, the the communications work in government really went much much deeper and, and I really I did I loved it and and that is I loved it until I didn't love it anymore and I was ready to do something else. So um, that's kind of the same reason I left journalism. I loved it until I didn't love it anymore and then I went to do something else and I loved communications till I didn't love it anymore and I went to do something else. Um, well, so I, I mean, I say corporate, what they, the, I was actually in, in, in government as well, which is why I, I, I'm kind of smiling back here. Nobody can see me grinning, but I'm kind of grinning because right. as much as you loved it, I hated it. Um, but obviously I'm very grateful that there are, you know, because everybody that I worked with absolutely loved, you know, those kind of debates in, you know, for the societal good and stuff. Um, I just wasn't suited to it. Uh, right. Okay. Let's get into. Yeah, it's not for everybody for sure. Um, so, so we are here today to talk about one particular book that you've published um, and, and kind of one particular area. So you published a book recently called One Million Readers, which I read and loved, by the way. Um, so I wondered... Thank uh, you. <laughs> so and just for everybody who hasn't read it uh well one go and read it but two uh it's about marketing uh non-fiction now whilst it's themed on marketing non-fiction particularly i took a lot of things from it that i could apply to my fiction but marketing and promotion so um yeah don't feel like you can't read it just because i'm saying it's about non-fiction uh, non now, one of the things that I learned, one of the very first things that I took from your book was about the difference between promotion and marketing. Now, I kind of, 
up to that point been rolling them into one um and and seeing them as the same thing but they're not so i wondered if you could tell listeners about the difference between marketing and promotion yeah great question and um you know this became crystal clear for me just in the last uh couple of years because i did the same thing and i think it's a very common thing but so i like to think of marketing as the umbrella and promotion is one of the things you do under that marketing umbrella, but they are not interchangeable and they're not the same. Um, and so marketing is relates to everything that you do um, to spread the word about you as an author and about your book or books. Promotion is a very specific activity that you undertake when you want to sell a book and they're connected of course because the marketing is what happens when you're fertilizing the ground you're making sure it's, it's you know it's, it's, you're creating your the awareness you're wanting people to know that you exist um, that work has to be done before the promotion is going to work uh, but the marketing piece isn't all about selling. And this is, you know, frankly, this is where a lot of indie authors get tripped up. And you hear complaints about, oh, my God, I, you know, I just this author keeps just, you know, spamming me and saying, buy my book, buy my book. Well, that is exactly what's the problem is that that author has confused promotion with marketing. Nobody is going to buy a book from a promotion effort until You've done the marketing work to seed the ground with awareness about you and your book. Um, does that make sense, Sasha? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, so there's a very famous phrase about seven touches or um, seven times a, a person, a potential customer needs to see um, a message from you or, or, or um, you know, come into contact with you um, and that's obviously the marketing side to set up your promotion so it works yes. yeah yeah that's right yep yeah and so marketing is about establishing credibility creating awareness uh making sure that you're providing a connection point it's it's all of that stuff and all of your promotion activity will be for naught if you aren't focusing on that marketing piece first. And that said, you can't only do the marketing piece either. At some point, you do have to say, hey, buy my book. So they, they, they go hand in hand, but the marketing piece really needs to be in place first before you embark on any kind of promotion. So uh, so just a couple of, so what would a couple of examples be then of marketing? So obviously the promotion is stuff like Facebook advertising or Amazon ads or, you know, um, a social post that has a link to your book. But can you give me a couple of examples of what marketing would be without the promotion? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting. It's not black and white. So you can engage uh, and, and launch a series of Facebook ads that is about marketing. Um, you can launch a series of, 
you know, any kind of ads can be about marketing, not necessarily the promotion. Sometimes they can be combined. So it's not quite so black and white. But so the marketing pieces that I'm talking about and that One Million Readers talks about is is really a, a framework and a mindset um, to strategically pull all the pieces together so that you're thinking about you, your book, the sales, your, you know, whatever your definition of success is in a holistic way and that you take the time to think through and plan all of the activities that will be in your marketing bucket so they're coordinated, they make sense, and so that your, your promotion can be successful. So marketing is everything from defining a clear objective what is it I want to achieve marketing and this is my definition of marketing you can talk to somebody else who's gonna have a totally different thing this is just what works for me and and how how I like to think of this um, and so marketing you might have a marketing budget which is also where it's confusing because your promotion activities are gonna go into your marketing budget if that's if that's the way you're tracking your spend um, but uh, you know, it's how you write your website copy. It's the colors you choose for your website. It's the, you know, it's the look and feel of your author photo. Are you, are your eyes closed? Are you in black and white? Are you color? All of those things all come together under the marketing banner. They all have a message. And what your marketing strategy is going to do is bring all those things together so you know why you're choosing what color you know why your eyes are open or closed or you don't see your face at all or, or, or whatever, whatever, whatever that is. It, it, um, it, if that makes if that makes sense it does absolutely and i think the why behind a lot of the marketing is for me personally the most important part um you know and certainly around things like branding and color and, and building up um you know your author personality i suppose i think um you know almost everything of mine is purple um you know even my author photo has I love purple purple, purple, I love purple. yeah <laughs> um okay yeah. Great. So um, my next question was around a concept um, that I've only ever heard once before um, outside of reading your book. And you went into quite a lot of detail, which is why I was so fascinated by it. But um, well, this is around the concept of selling a feeling to um, your readers and or customers. And I wondered, um, and, and, it, and it's selling a feeling rather than selling a product. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what that is the concept what it means and 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 what it means for authors in their planning and marketing yeah yeah it's a great question um and so not to discount the fact that at some point we all as authors need to say somewhere buy my book uh, and that it is a product this is not to discount that we are selling a product what this is talking about is what we need to engage and think through as authors when we go through the motions, all of the many motions that we have to go through before we can be ready to sell that book and before our reader will say buy. So this, this notion of selling a feeling rather than a product is tied into the age-old, you know, since millennia, we human beings are attracted by story. Mm. stories affect us because they engage a feeling they engage our emotions even the most intellectual 
you know, dry stuff. There is, there is a, there is a feeling that, that, that we connect to. Now I'm not talking about textbooks or anything like that, but I'll just put that aside for the moment. But, um, and let me use an example, not from the author world. And this, we had a conversation about this earlier this week. Um, I, I, I have lived on my sailboat. I'm not on the sailboat today, but I will be again uh, shortly. But so in the boat world, there are particular kind of sailboats that are suited to different kinds of people. And so there is one particular kind of sailboat that really is, you know, it's very luxurious. The lines are clean. The interior is, you know, the latest fashion and design. And the type of person that it would be interested in that kind of a sailboat is very different from the type of person person who would be interested in a heavier maybe a wooden type of sailboat that you know is is more about the adventure of sailing rather than comfort on the water and you are going to your sales job with each of those two products has to engage different feelings and you need to connect to your potential buyers with different feelings based on what that product is so and it and it and it's not overt the let's say we're trying to sell boat number one we're going to use words like because the person that's interested in boat number one is more likely a woman than a man um is more likely less interested in the actual above deck sailing process and more interested in the beautiful sunsets you know calmly sitting at anchor and so the words we would use to try to promote and sell that boat would be luxury comfort safety those are words that um evoke a feeling in the reader but only in the target reader the second boat that i talked about that potential owner is not interested in comfort, luxury, and safety. The, this boat number two potential owner is interested in how fast the boat goes. Is there a plumb bow to cut through rough seas? We would never use the word rough seas to talk about selling boat number one, even though both boats will equally experience rough seas. So, you know, we want to talk about adventure, plumb bows, how she, you know, cuts through the sea how you know that sort of thing that taps into the emotion that each target reader is looking for mm. and so with our books if you're writing crime thrillers you know that the reader is looking for a little bit of an escape they're looking for they want to be entertained they you know they're, they're they they love the notion of a mystery so you don't answer you don't answer all their questions you don't solve the you don't put the synopsis on the back of your book for example and you use words that will create the feeling that that reader is looking for mm. and even you know that's a fiction example in in a non-fiction example even if it's something like you know uh how to develop your personal brand uh and and become a better leader the emotion that we're looking for there is one of a sense of Okay, accomplishment. I know, you know, it's a, there's a clarifying feeling of, all right, I can do this. I know I, this is going to tell me what I need to know. Um, and you need to try to tap into the feeling that that reader is looking for, which is the reason that they would pick up your book in the first place. Mm. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I was kind of, 
um, oh, I, I couldn't help but you know relate this back to myself and and thinking even about the podcast so yes. you know what is the feeling that I, I want to give to listeners well sweary British um, you know uh, obviously in the writing world a little bit cheeky probably sarcastic um, you know and rebellious obviously um, but then you know yes okay it's about writing and, and, and marketing and creativity well any kind of creativity in, in this industry but you know you could look at um, and for listeners both Bonnie and I do freelance work for the Alliance of Independent Authors whereas if you go to their podcast then it's much more professional um, not that I'm not being professional but you know I'm gonna drop a few f-bombs or whatever and it's fine yeah. um, but it's about selling that different feeling I'm so and glad you told me in advance <laughs> yeah yeah oh no you can say fuck it's totally fine um uh but yeah all right okay i'm so glad <laughs> yeah sorry i should have said yeah no these all have explicit on them because i can't be censoring myself um but but yeah no it's 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 a different feeling and and actually if this is really important because I, I was thinking about how this you know being self-aware and knowing the feeling that you create, whether it be with your podcast or with your books, helps you to find your tribe, to find your people, your readers. Um, so just being self-aware about that, I think is, yeah, that's something I'm definitely going to take away and, and, and chew over. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a good point, too. This The self-awareness piece, which is... Um, many authors may not, many people, whether it's authors or people, many people may not be explicitly aware of mm. what the feeling is that connects them to a particular book when they are readers. And so the self-awareness piece is absolutely critical for this because until you can envision it in yourself, uh, you know, when I want to go and pick up the latest Lee Child and read about Jack Reacher, I know exactly what feeling I'm, I'm after. I really, I just want to shut my brain down. I want to be entertained. I can't sleep yet, but so I want to find out, you know, where is, where is he hitchhiking to now? Um, but, you know, and I'm going to choose a different book when I'm after a different feeling. But so as authors, we need to pay attention to what those feelings are in ourselves and look at how we interact with the books that we buy and that we read in order to identify what some of those feelings are. And then we apply those to our target reader uh, and our books and kind of replicate, understand yeah. what it is that we're trying to offer our readers, what feeling we want to, we want to create for them. And kind of looking at this like a, um, a, a, a story, a, a book, because that's, I guess, how I relate most things. Uh, it's almost like a trope of marketing it's like what are the tropes of your marketing you know when you think about the tropes of your book that's kind of the feelings for that genre that you're trying to create but actually it's kind of mm -hmm. bringing those up in under the umbrella of marketing and thinking about the tropes that you want to market to your to your readers so yeah oh this is i'm my my brain is going ten thousand miles per hour um <laughs> I'm going to move on. Otherwise, I know I'm just going to be talking about this for an hour and everyone's going to be like, come on, Sasha. Um, okay, we can so, come back and do another show about this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> what's a market scan? Oh, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's, it's actually... So um, from my corporate communications, uh, government communications, I'm just going to call it corporate because you're so right, it's all corporate. But uh, <laughs> Boo. whenever we... Whenever, <laughs> yeah, I know. Fuck, I'm glad I'm out of there. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
I'm really, I really am. <laughs> um, whenever, when we were in corporate communications, whenever anything, before anything was ever going to go out to the public, um, whether it was an announcement about uh, the cost of auto insurance or whether it was announcing a new event at a tourism industry thing or whatever it was, whenever anything was be going out to the public, we always did what we called an environmental scan. And I've taken this notion and applied it to book marketing because I just found it so incredibly valuable. Um, and so it is looking at, we're, we're, for the book purposes, we're talking about a market scan. I, I sometimes call it environmental scan. The two things are, are the same. But what it is, is a very purposeful look at the broader environment into which you are launching your book. And I consider everything being fair game, everything from... Um, socioeconomic considerations like what's happening with the economy are people buying paperback books are they buying ebooks are people buying my genre of books and and why are is my genre um, something considered a luxury or you know in economic downturns people are more concerned about the elements on the lower end of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for example so being able to connect um, the the broader socioeconomic environment is going to help you decide not just your messages, your marketing messages, but how you're going to pitch it, what that feeling is that you're going to try to create. So if it's a real economic downturn, for example, and you're writing thrillers, and but people might not have money for thrillers, you really want to emphasize that they sure want to do escape. They sure want to escape. They don't want to be thinking about the bills that they can't pay right now. So you want to emphasize those emotional and those feeling connections with what the benefits are that they're going to get out of the book, for example. So that's one part of the market scan. The other part of the market scan is um, I, I, I always like to know what's going on in the publishing industry. Things are changing very fast. I want to make sure that I know, you know, uh, what kind of books are selling, what's happening with, you know, which platform is is working better, which format is, you know, right now audiobooks are selling a lot. So that, you know, and that's pretty standard. That won't change month to month. But if you're writing a book every year or two, then before I go to launch a book, I make sure that I, I'm touching those kinds of scenarios and make sure that I know what's happening. And then it gets to be more specific. If you have a book about, um, you know, uh, how doctors can heal from uh, burnout on the job, then we're talking about the market scan is, you know, what's the accepted level of wisdom right now about uh, doctors and, and burnout? And you kind of look for where's the, you know, what, who's doing the studies, who's, who's talking about it, what are resources uh, besides my book, or you know, th th that uh, that 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 people can go to to try to get help from this, and make sure you know who else is talking about it, and who you might want to connect with, who you might be competing with, um, where there might be opportunity. You look for conferences and events. Um, you know, if you have a a book that is set in a particular. Uh, geographic area what is the latest thing what's the latest thing that's happening in that area you know is your book set in France and all of a sudden the last you know 12 months have been occupied by 
the um, uh, Yellow Jacket protests, and your book doesn't mention them at all, and it's apparently set last year, then you, ha then you have, a, have a problem. That's not to do with marketing necessarily. But these are the kinds of things that a market scan and an environmental scan can help you do. They will also identify, um, as I mentioned, you know, with the other resources, they'll identify uh, gaps and potential places where you could, where you might want to take some marketing um, actions, and they can identify allies. So, in addition to competitors, sometimes our competitors can actually be allies. So, if I've written a book, let's use the same example about uh, something to help doctors heal from uh, burnout, um, and I just discover through my market scan but that there's this really cool uh, physician that's on the speaker circuit and um, and he's talking about it in a new and different way. Well, I can connect with that person and say, hey, I think you might be interested in my book and I think maybe there's some opportunities for us to, to uh, work together. Would you like a copy of my book? Um, I'm going to be in your area or I see you're coming in my area. Can we sit and have a coffee? And then you never know how that might turn out, but maybe that guy then, and he goes on his speaker circuit to the next speaker and he holds up your book and says, I met this great author of this great book and I want to, you know. So, the and the market scan is where you identify all those opportunities. If you're not doing your market scan, you're not looking for those kinds of things. Yeah, and I think that stands certainly for fiction and nonfiction. I don't think that is something that only nonfiction uh, listeners should be doing. I, th I think it's useful for fiction too because, you know, it's that contextual marketing. You can um, create local um opportunities even in your area from your book or or you know national ones or you know whatever but there there it is looking exactly. for those extra opportunities and so many authors don't do that and and you know it's it's an easy way to sell my books really frankly um it is, and the, another piece of the market scan that I mentioned that is really, really important, and I do it every single time, and I do it with the authors that I work with uh, as my clients as well, and that is uh, a, a rigorous competitor scan. So I, I consider that under the bucket of a market scan, but um, you know, when I first start working with, with a new author, and before we're even very far into the editorial side of the book, we're we're looking at you know, 20 to 30 similar uh, books, similar in the space, um, the subject matter, and we're looking at everything. We're looking at how old they are, how well they sell, what does the description look like, what does the cover look like, what's the price of the paperback and the ebook, how many reviews do they have, what, you know, what's the average star rating, what are the reviews saying, who has provided the editorial review for that book and it's this you know it's it's all part of that competitor scan on its own doesn't do anything if you're not prepared to to take it into account and act on it and acting on it uh, means you're considering how the reader expects to see and find your book in this sea of all these similar places so mm -hmm. it should affect the choice you make for your cover it'll affect your title it'll certainly affect your pricing and again you might find both adversaries and allies in that search oh so-and-so has written a book but it was five years ago but they're having some success so perhaps I'm going to connect and you know maybe we and they've got lots of reviews and so maybe I can get that person to review my book and promote my book so it's 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 all about connecting the dots really it's it's making sure that you're not launching your book into a 
vacuum mm. that you are very, very clear and aware on um, what is happening in the world around you, the, the, the environment that you're launching your book into. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, and also just to say, there is so much more um, about this in Bonnie's book um, and loads and loads of kind of really tactical tips and tricks that I have written copious amounts of notes on that I need to go and process. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, cheers for that. So many pages of notes. I'm like, oh, they're all of the things I want to do. Um Okay, talk to the new author. What one or two things would you tell them or, or, or lessons have you learned perhaps through, the, through your own marketing? What would you tell them to do when, when preparing their, their marketing for their, uh, their nonfiction book or fiction? You know? Yeah, you know, it's really tough because, a, um, well, it's, I'm going back to my own first experience. It's tough because we, the hardest part of the book, we think, is the writing. And then all of a sudden we finish writing and we realize that, oh my God, there's, it's not the hardest part at all. Um, so I view, uh, my advice to new authors is to recognize that uh, in all the benefits, and there are so many um, of being an independent author and being in you know, creative and commercial control with your own prod, product, uh, product, which is your book and your projects, um, is that marketing is a process. It is not a single event. It is a process and it will be a part of what you do for the lifetime of your book. As long as you want to be getting attention for your book and um, selling some books, then you need to be engaged in marketing. And so that's the first piece of advice. And the second piece of advice is that I would take the time to do the strategy work. I, I don't know very many authors I don't know very many authors. I work with lots of authors, but it's not that I, I don't have a big circle of friends that are authors other than the people I'm working with, you know, at Ally. But um, I, I'm not aware of very many authors that actually do this, the level of detailed planning and coming up with the marketing strategy that I'm advocating in one million readers. And that's what I would say is take the time, go through the book or other people's. It doesn't have to be my book. There's lots of resources out there. But take the time to pull together your own version of a marketing strategy. Because once you've done that work, you'll have things to do to keep your book alive and in front of your potential readers for potentially years to come. If you don't do this work at the beginning, you are going to go, oh, well, I launched a Facebook ad and I have some review readers. Why is my book not selling? I don't know what I should be doing today. If you do the work on the strategy up the front, you will never say, you will never have to say, what should I be doing to market my book today? You will always know and it will carry you through, you know, a year, two years of marketing your book. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point because I actually upon you know and I did actually take genuinely copious amounts of notes but then I got very overwhelmed by it but I think that's a really key point that you just made because actually I don't have to do all of those things immediately I'm terrible for that I just want to do them all now um I'm highly impatient but yeah. actually it's a, no that's such a good point because the benefit of being an indie author is that we have control over the marketing whereas most traditional publishers focus on that launch period and sort of the few weeks around it actually you know I'm still marketing a book that I published two years ago and if I had you know a intensive detailed marketing plan then I wouldn't have to be making this shit up every single day I would go to my plan um so I I so I have a book uh that I'm 
well, I, I've got about 22k of notes at the moment so I after I finished my next fiction book that's the Ooh. book I'm focusing on but it is non-fiction and um I did download your workbook and I am going to go through it because I think it will give my book the best opportunity um to reach as many readers um as possible and I'm just going to keep that point in mind that actually yes I am going to come out with a metric fuckload of tasks but I don't have to do them yeah. immediately and therefore that should I hope take away the overwhelm of having such a big marketing plan um yeah I think that's a great takeaway I wanted to ask you about PR because that is one thing um that I was I had my kind of skeptical eyebrow raised when I was reading it and and I think this is perhaps just because I am ignorant um about PR but PR seems like one of these things that traditional publishers do and they throw loads of money at it and nobody can really quantify it but I think um I know of indies who are starting to look at PR managers for themselves so I wondered if you could just talk about what actually is PR and how that differs perhaps from the marketing that indies might be doing and and how indie authors specifically could capitalize on it yeah this is a really this is a really tough area too and so first of all what is it I I I talk about PR as earned media as opposed to paid media if i'm paying facebook to promote my ad to people of a specific demographic group that's a that's paid media if i am doing an interview for this podcast for example this would be a, a, an example of pr uh where where i'm being spoken to by somebody who is on their own getting the word out to other readers that i wouldn't normally connect with so so this you know talking to you is an example of of pr it's not in the traditional sense but really what's traditional anymore yeah. um but so yeah and the, the the challenges and i think it's another gray area where first of all you know it includes everything from the interview in the New York Times, um, and wouldn't we all love that? Um, but it's everything from that right down to maybe your neighborhood free weekly newspaper, or you know, is is there a podcast somewhere, or a you know, um, that sort of thing. But the the danger with PR is that people think, oh, I can just put out a, a news release, and I can pay this, you know, PR web or PR newswire or whoever it is. Uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks or fifteen hundred bucks, depending on the length and whether you include images, and and expect that that's going to bring me all kinds of media attention. Well, it doesn't. And there are, you know, there are there are books that make sense to to spend time and effort on getting PR, and books that it that it doesn't make sense. Uh, or there are elements of your book. So let's take a let's take a a a thriller, you know, a fiction thriller set in a particular community and um so you know the story revolves i don't know i'm making this up as i go the story revolves around a murder in the library i don't know and so you you have to be aware of what elements you have in your book that are ripe for pr the fact that you've written a book is not a good enough hook for trying to go out and seek media attention the fact that you've published your i mean it's a wonderful accomplishment don't get me wrong but 
there is that's it bonnie crush everyone's <laughs> dreams <laughs> yeah, i know i know <laughs> Uh, but it, yeah, it's just, it, it, there has to be some real hook uh, that you can hang your PR outreach attempts on, um, something that is going to be of interest to people beyond, well beyond the fact that you've written a book. Unless the fact that, unless the book that you've written is so new and avant-garde that we've, you know, bicycles for cats or something, you know, <laughs> if you've written a book about bicycles for cats, then, you know, maybe Listeners, that's something please don't that's going to be about... unique enough to get you some traction. <laughs> don't, 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 don't write a yeah. book about cats and bicycles. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, but so, and, and trying to get PR, it's a whole machine in and of itself. And I think that the, the, the sad part of it is that, that, you know, it's easy for us to get duped into thinking that, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll do this media release and I'll, I'll pay for the distribution because look, they're telling me that they're going to distribute my media release to 275 media outlets around the country and I'm going to be seen on 12,740 websites. Well, it's the load of crap. Mm. It doesn't mean you're. It, it only means they're pushing it across the desks. It doesn't mean that a reporter is actually going to pick it up and write anything about you. So I think that's one thing to be really careful of, and um, combining that with understanding, you know, what it is about your book or what it is in your book that might be newsworthy or that you can turn into a newsworthy hook, um, and then leverage that did that answer the question you asked me or did I prattle on and get completely carried away as I usually do I think so let me see if I've understood so for example if somebody you said that you were writing um, a historical novel that had some kind of true was it true true crime in it or but let's say somebody writes. it's a true story yeah okay so let's say somebody writes about a crime that happened in their local village for example, or their local town or city, um, and they publish that, would that then be kind of a hooky a news item that somebody could kind of pull out to to go to the local papers to say, look, you know, we're pro- I've written this story, it's about this true crime, it's set here. Is that an example? Or Yes, yes, that, that, that would be an example. And what you'd want to do in that case is, you know, how are you, first of all, how are you portraying that location? Yeah. So, Depending on depending on how you portray the location, but let's say that it you know it's it doesn't do anything negative to to the the location and you know whether it's the library or a corner or a park or whatever. But so is there a historical society? You know, is this set in the past? I don't know. But is there a historical society? Is there a uh, is there a local tour uh, operator? Is there you know do you go and do a a reading at the location where in the book your murder occurred. So making something happen that you're creating the hook around that is connected to your book is not a bad idea. Mm. So, okay, my murder happens at the corner corner of Fourth and Vine, and um, so I, you know, set up an event where I'm going to be at Fourth and Vine, and I'm going to do a reading, and I'm going to. You know, maybe you dress up and get some people to play a couple of roles as characters, and and then you 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 pitch that to local media. That becomes a local event, mm. and that gets people talking about your book and your you know. So, so that 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 would be an idea. So give me a couple of really tangible tips. How would an indie author, without their own PR manager 
actually get PR? Well, um, I, it's everything that we've been talking about here. So the first thing is that not don't assume that you can just get it from the pa- the fact that you have written a book, and it depends on your book, and it depends on what's in your book, and so you know it almost really does require some uh, some feedback from somebody who has done this before. Mm. So um, the, the first thing, if you do want to, if you have that hook, so I'm getting caught up on whether you have that hook or not. So let's move past the hook. I think this is what you're asking me. So then it is, uh, you, you want to craft your story. You want to use that feeling, the, the story that is going to be in your media release, for example, and whether or not you issue the media release in my view, you must write that media release because ah. it is your story. So even if you're gonna, even if you're going to pitch one on one, and you're not actually issuing a media release, I always advise write it anyway, because you want to get it right. You want to have that lead, uh, catchy, grabby paragraph right off the top, and then you kind of dig into it from there. So the whole structure of how you you know write a a a, a media release, and um, and then you decide who is the best candidate for me to send this to and be realistic. Um, there's, you know, there are local and community media outlets that are perfectly relevant PR opportunities for many people. And there are national and international, uh, media outlets that are going to be relevant for very few people. So be realistic when you're setting your target of where you actually want to get, um, get your, your attention and traction and you build your contact list. You know, it's just grunt work, finding out how you reach these people and recognize that newsrooms and media outlets are extremely busy places. They receive hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls and emails. Um, and so you need to be a respectful B, uh, you, you need to be very clear on what the benefit is to that, uh, reporter or producer or whoever it is that you're pitching, uh, why they should be interested, respect their time and, uh, and, and, and follow through. So those would be kind of the mechanical steps to go through. Yeah. And, and that, that was kind of what I was, um, getting at as, uh, as well. And I guess one of the other things I suppose is for you to have things prepared in advance. So they might ask for a call type sheet of your books oh. or, you know, that, that kind of, um, I'm, I'm totally. my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the, your, your media kit. Yeah. So yes. You want to have your release written. You want to have your one page, uh, description of what the book is, who you are as an author. You want to have, um, print ready and web friendly images, your book cover, your author photo. You want to have your contact info. Um, you want to have, you know, some people are creating, uh, business cards, you know, designed that look similar to their books. Um, business cards or postcards or bookmarks or whatever it is. So it, it might, there might be a product um, as- associated with that or it could be all electronic. But so assembling, making sure that you have all your ducks in a row, you have everything you need together. Um, that y- <laughs> The worst thing is to make the effort to outreach and, um, oh my God, big surprise, you get a bite and then you're not ready. So yeah, you, you, you need to be ready with your your 
your your kit amazing thank you uh and so this is the last question this is always the last question this is the Uh rebel author podcast so tell me about a time in your life where you uh were a rebel or where your inner rebel came out to play oh my god i've always been playing with my inner (laughs) rebel is so funny um well i you know i i I don't want to shock people so i'm not going to go back to my teenage and early 20s i'm not going to talk about (laughs) oh no i'm not doing any i'm not doing any of that i'll do i'll do something a little more a little safer till the next time we talk um well i you know i had my uh, my very good very well-paying uh management job in in government communications and i didn't I no longer wanted the life it gave me, and so I, I stopped. I, you know, people were aghast. I, I, I quit and I embarked out on, on my own to do my own thing. Took a huge risk. Took took huge financial hit, um, and people thought I was crazy. And and I was crazy, but but it was also the perfect thing for me to do at the time. I would not have the uh, things in my life that I have now had I stayed. I would be financially better better off, but. Um, I would not be as uh, alive and enriched and in touch with myself and the things that I want out of my life. Mm, Absolutely. I always think it's worth taking the risk because the benefits you... I always... I'm trying not to... get all philosophical philosophical but you know when you when you take those big leaps of faith good things always always appear on the other side of your fear so yeah amen to that yeah right where can where can listeners find out more about you uh www.ingeniumbooks.com ingenium is i-n-g-e-n-i-u-m-b-o-o-k-s or in the sailing word indio uh november golf echo ingene november india uniform mike b-o-o-k-s.com fantastic well, thank you very much, Bonnie, for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody listening. And also thank you to everybody supporting on Patreon. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, then you can visit me on www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. That is Sasha with a C, S-A-C-H-A. I'm Sasha Black, you were listening to Bonnie Wagner Stafford, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'll be talking to Christina Stanley, CEO of Fictionary and Story Coach. We discuss all things self-editing. She has a rundown of her top 10 most common mistakes and how to fix them. It is a jam-packed episode full of writing craft and editing tips. Don't miss it. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.